Amen. Right, so Psalm 127. Let's just look down at verse 1 again. Psalm 127 and verse 1 reads, it's a song of degrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And we're starting a new Sunday evening series um, called Biblical Parenting. It's going to be called Biblical Parenting. And before any of the non-parents here start drifting off, um, there could be quite a few people in the church or maybe start making plans for their next several Sunday evenings, you know, or things they could think about and plot and plan while they're here. Um, th this is a subject that affects all of us. So anyone's wondering that, look, this is, this is a church. We're a church family. We're going to be here to help, guide, support, give advice when asked for by each other. We're here to... to you know, to be able to help each other. We're here to, to ultimately help the children in this church grow up to be, uh, you know, an even stronger church and to be, to be great members of this church or if they go elsewhere, hopefully to another good, proper church. And look, this is an important subject, okay? This is a massive part of life. It's, it's, this is hopefully going to be a practical sermon, um, a sermon series. And look, as our church grows, we're going to have plenty of parents here, aren't we? We're going to have lots of parents... And it would be nice to have us all like-minded to a degree, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to have everyone pretty much on the same page. And when I say that, look, you know, obviously when it comes to things which are clearly in the Bible, we should all be following that, shouldn't we? When it comes to things which are a matter of interpretation or a matter of, of opinion, no, everyone doesn't have to be the same. And yes, I, I appreciate that, you know, we all have liberty to raise our children, those of you that have children as we want. But look, we, uh, we, we want to do it as God wants ultimately, don't we? So that's the idea of this sermon series. Now, we want people here as well to be able to give advice when asked, yeah? When asked. Let's remember that because it's a funny thing in the world, especially when it comes to parenting and things like that, but pretty much most subjects. There's a lot of people that just like giving advice, don't they? A lot of people like to give unsolicited advice. They just love to give you advice on things that they don't often know much about. And we've had this over the years, myself and my wife, uh, when it comes to parenting. You get advice from people that don't even have children. You get advice from people on homeschooling. They love that one. The homeschool advice of people that have never homeschooled and never done a day's homeschooling, but they love to give you advice on it. The advice on all these different areas of life, you get it, and parenting's a big one for that. And people love to, they love to really as well kind of take almost some ownership of your child. I don't know if that's something that's been pushed with sort of, you know, this sort of state ownership of your child, but I'm sure many of you, many people have been pregnant and have had that before where people think it's almost their right to come home. Yeah, people are like, oh, I want to start touching your belly and stuff like that, oh, weird stuff, okay? So we want to not do all of that stuff, okay? And we want to make sure that, 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 that although we don't do that, we are able to give advice, biblical advice, and when we have new people come to this church that people here are able to advise along the lines of what the Bible says at least and what we as a church here believe, okay? So that's going to be helpful hopefully for the future. Because having strong families is essential for the health of this church, isn't it? So in case anyone ever here, any of the kids here ever think that they're a bit of a bit part, you're not, you're the future of this church, okay? They are the future of this church and, and we want every child here and every child that eventually is in this church to really understand that and to be, to, to be raised in the things of the Lord and to ultimately be able to take, really to carry on the torch of this church as all of us get older and you know, and less, less able with, with, in time to come. So, um, 
Now, in case you're sitting there and you're wondering or, or you're thinking, hold on, brother Ian, what makes you some sort of expert? Because people, when it comes to giving any sort of guidance on, on parenting, it generally will tread on some toes. And people do get a little bit upset about this. And, you know, some say the worst thing you could do is tell a mother off about their mothering. So, you know, I'm going to be very careful when I do this, obviously. But um, I, I don't think I am an expert. In fact, I know I'm far from an expert. But which is why this series is called Biblical Parenting. Okay, Biblical Parenting. It's not Ian Taverner's idea on parenting. It's Biblical Parenting because my plan is to, yes, sometimes give my opinion, but to show you what I believe the Word of God says about parenting. And Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord, the Lord, build the house, they labour in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So I will try to do my best to keep it as biblical as possible because it's very easy, isn't it, when it comes to things like parenting, like anything else, like, but with parenting, to go off into the latest studies and the latest fads, isn't it? You've probably been across these people that love to kind of tell you about the study they've read, like that suddenly disqualifies anything you might say. And I'm sure some of you who have been trying to raise your kids according to the Bible might have had this from family and friends. They're like, oh, well, a study says, and I read this study, and suddenly they like to feel like they sound very intellectual now, and they sound like an expert because they read a lot of the time probably not even a study just the report probably just the result of the study if they got that far a lot of the time they'll misquote said result as well and then sound very intellectual and that kind of cuts off any sort of argument yeah but as we all know the results of most studies generally lean towards whoever was funding the study so we don't want to go too far on studies do we we want to really ideally rely on what the word of god says where possible and and the word of god has a lot to say about parenting i believe so we're going to have a look at that and and verse one said here except the lord build the house so it didn't say except the childless child psychiatrist build it didn't it it didn't say unless that childless child psychiatrist build the house you're going to be banging trouble you better listen to some so-called expert because they got taught by some other childless child psychiatrist somewhere else about it and they read a long book or something else no except the lord build the house and we don't want to labor and wake in vain and, and, and just uh, just just while we're on that subject parenting is a lot of labor and a lot of waking up it is a lot of labor a lot of waking up and when you when you go into parenting it's something you just got to accept from quite early on because if you kind of went into it thinking oh it's going to be a piece of cake a strong part because all those facebook friends of mine they just look so happy and contented it seems to just be you know these perfect photo opportunities in lovely picturesque places and the kids all dressed in matching outfits and nothing else going that's not really life okay and you have to appreciate uh, as a parent you know before you become a parent that it's there's going to be there's going to be a lot of sleepless nights, there's going to be a lot of labour and that's what parenting is a lot of the time, it is labour, but it is obviously uh, very fulfilling as well and something we need to accept there. Now the series is called Biblical Parenting and tonight we're going to look at pregnancy, labour and postpartum. Pregnancy, labour and postpartum because parenting starts from, well, from conception, doesn't it? Okay, that's where it starts, so we're going to look at that today. Uh, before we do, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, you know the, the many principles you give us in the Bible, the many teachings you give us, and 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 so, you know something which is obviously a big part of everyone's life, and that is parenting and 
whether that's because we have parents or whether that's because we are parents or whether, or whether that is because we, we, we are around parents. We all want to learn more about this subject. I hope everyone here does. Please help everyone to just have open ears here, to have a, an open mind as well and not just to be too sort of fixated on what they, they've you know, been taught elsewhere and just see what, what your word has to say about these things. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen. Okay, so... Like I said, if all, of, if all of you women who are kind of maybe sitting here rolling your eyes already thinking, how is this man going to tell me anything about pregnancy, labour and postpartum recovery? Well, fortunately, I got my wife to write these sermon notes. So, um, wait a second. She is the best thing that's ever... No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm messy. She, of course, I didn't get my wife to write these notes. No, we're going to just cover some biblical principles. Um, and, and this particular sermon subject is something that I plan to... To, to preach for a while. So it is something that I've wanted to preach for a few reasons and we're going to talk about that in a bit. So we're going to start with pregnancy and, and we're going to look at some good principles for pregnancy. And you might be sitting there going, oh, where have you gone through the Bible for this? Because look, and just a quick note on this as well, because someone does something a certain way in the Bible, that doesn't mean that God wants us to do it that way, right? So you might look at something in the Bible and go, well, you know, that, that person did this or didn't do that. So that must be God telling us to do it that way. That's that's not true, is it? And when it comes to pregnancy itself, there aren't some many, I don't believe, clear commands of do or don't do this, but there are some principles in the Bible anyway that we're going to look at. I look down at Psalm 127 and verse 1. We're going to read it one more time. Where, and, and it's an important verse to get memorised. Except the Lord build the house. The Lord. They labour in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. So we want to do things God's way, right? Or it's empty, it's pointless, however hard we might work at it. Yeah, that's what it's saying here. Now, you could, for example, burn the candle at both ends, studying child psychology and the best way of reasoning with a naughty three-year-old. But if you don't chastise them the Lord's way, it's pretty much a waste of time, isn't it? You're labouring in vain, studying how to sit down and explain to that child, you know, that in, in as nice a way as possible. That sometimes you've just got to do things God's way, okay? In fact, most of the time you've got to do things God's way when it's clear how to do something, okay? Now, it's the same with pregnancy. You could research the best diet, the best supplements, pregnancy exercises, all these things... But if you don't remember whose child it is, it's a waste of time. Because whose child is it? It's God's. It's God's child. Verse 3 says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. Of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Okay? They're in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. They're the, they're the Lord's. They're his reward. That's a good thing to remember. Because we had a clown in here once uh, that liked to say... You know, the womb, the fruit of the womb is our reward type thing. You know, it's his reward is in for us. You know, you're rewarded. But no, that's not what the Bible says. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Okay, it's a reward to the Lord. Look, God loves children, right? God wants children in this world. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Don't, don't forget that. They're not your reward. You haven't been rewarded with children. Okay, oh, well, it's because, because I'm so amazing. That's why I've got a child. No, no, the fruit of the womb is his reward. Okay, just make that clear. Because there are people that sadly, like I said, will try and try and push that. And then if they could explain to me, for example, why that sort of, you know, that person in the gutters with 20 children by 20 different fathers who's just doing it to get extra benefits, you know, on the, on the social, on the whatever social housing and everything else has got 20 children, then you could do that to me. But the fruit of the womb is his reward. There's something that he rewards himself with, with children. Obviously, we're talking about especially God's children here. Now, 
it starts from the beginning of pregnancy. And what, what I mean by that is, is that we're looking after them for God. Okay? You're looking after them for God. They're God's children. Okay? So what does that mean? Well, we know that life begins at conception, don't we? Okay? Let's start with that. God calls them infants through Job, doesn't he? In a baby calls them in Luke chapter 1. He refers to pregnant ladies as with child, and that child is an heritage of the Lord. Okay, so let's make that, make that clear, because I, I hope no one here has been affected by the wicked false doctrine out there trying to encourage the murder of these babies. Now, as husbands, and a lot of this is going to be about husbands as well, because parenting is, is a, well, not a two-man job, it's a man and a woman job, okay? It's a two-person job. And as husbands, we should be considering the fact, if our wives are pregnant, they're not carrying a fetus, they're not carrying a bundle of cells. They're not carrying something that's not really alive until, you know, you decide it is, till it looks a bit more baby-like, as you'd like it to look. No, they're carrying a precious child of God's. They're, they're carrying a precious child of God's. So don't forget that, husbands. When, you're, when your wives are pregnant, those when you become husbands in the future, some of, you, some of the men that aren't maybe married, when, when your wife gets pregnant, she's carrying a child of God's. She's carrying something pr very precious of God's, yeah? And let's put it this way. Let's give a few examples. That child, when that child was born, I'm sure you wouldn't be going, oh, it's God's child. I'm going to put a bit of alcohol on that child's dummy just to get him to shut up or just because why not, you know? I don't really care where that dummy's been. It's been ro rolling around in the gutter and everything else. And... In case anyone's thinking, yeah, they used to do that, though, didn't they? Look, whether they did or didn't, okay, whatever they used to do in history doesn't mean it's okay, okay? Just, uh, the old way is not always the best way, because sometimes we can go too far with that, can't we? We're like, oh, well, in the old days, they did this, so it must be okay. Yeah, the old days, they did a lot of wicked stuff, okay? And they continue to do wicked stuff. But you wouldn't do that. I'd hope you wouldn't do that. So you would include with that, wouldn't you, that drinking alcohol during pregnancy surely isn't a good thing to do, is it? I think everyone knows that that's a poison, that that's going to poison your child. So hopefully everyone here would agree and not start going down the route of, well, the world's recently said that one glass of wine's okay, or the world, whatever. Look, we've obviously preached about drunkenness here as well. And if you think, well, I'm within the limits, I'm not a drunkard, but I, like, I think a glass of wine as a pregnant lady is beneficial to my child, nonsense. Rubbish, you wouldn't do it when that child's born, don't do it when that child's in the womb, okay? So that, that's one, one principle we could get there. Another one being the Lord's is maybe you wouldn't give that child when it's born a few puffs on your cigarette, would you? Anyone here ever thought about, yeah, maybe that baby's been born, just let them try a little cigarette now and again. They can have a little puff on it, see how they feel. No one would do that. But why do pregnant women think it's okay to, to smoke, smoke cigarettes with a baby in their womb? Okay, if there's ever a reason to give up, surely the, the, the instincts of motherhood would be that, right? And yeah, you might find that hard. It might be difficult, but that is essential, isn't it? That's got to be essential. So again, so another thing that you'd say there, I would say, look, if anyone here has a problem with cigarettes, some people do, okay? Oh, well, you're a Christian. You smoke. Yeah, yeah, some Christians smoke, okay? Some Christians find it hard to give up. If you're pregnant, or if, I would say if you're planning to get pregnant, you need to give up smoking, okay, long before you do, because that's not the sort of thing you give to a little baby. And that is a baby, or is anyone wondering if it's a baby in your womb? Anyone wondering this? No, hopefully not. Now, here's another one. How about other known dangers then? How about other obvious known dangers? How about other known toxins and poisons and other things? Would you be, you know, would you get that baby and start, I don't know, soaring through the asbestos with the baby next to you? 
Probably not. So why do people think that they, it's okay to do that when they're in their womb? Look, you need to protect that child. And it's not our job to start. We're not, we, look, we, we, when we, as, not just as dads, but as people in the show, not for us to start questioning that with people, but this is for the mums there and for the dads here to think about that sort of thing when you've got someone with a precious child, God's precious child in their womb. Yeah, we want to keep, we, we want to protect that mother, we want to protect that child, yeah? So, but here's another one with that in mind. If you're babysitting for someone important, yeah, say it was someone really important in your life, I don't know, maybe it was your, your boss, it was your best friend, it was someone like that, would you take their baby... To, to listen to someone making mean songs about them. You go, I'm just going to take your baby, I'm babysitting the baby, I'm just going to take them around someone's house where they're going to play songs where they're just basically being rude, mean, disrespectful, nasty, coming out with, you know, support of your worst enemy. You wouldn't do that, would you? So why do people think that's okay to do when they've got a baby in their womb, God's child in their womb, and they decide that it's, it's you know, okay to start listening to all sorts of wicked music, rock music, pop music, all this. It's all, it's all God-hating, isn't it? pretty much most of it it's all encouraging stuff which god would never want to listen to would he yeah and i'd say that's another thing you wouldn't take that baby when that do you think that baby can't hear when it's in the womb anyone think their baby can't hear when they're in the they, baby can hear when they're in the womb right you want to start them off on a good track don't you? you don't want them to kind of associate certain music with maybe that time when they were comfortable and content in the womb yeah so things like that are good things to think about is it okay in the car no, with the, is it okay to just have the radio on blasting all sorts of, you know, just God-hating or at the least just mocking, just wicked sort of subjects and everything else? No, even more so with a child. You've got, you got a child, the fruit of the womb is his reward, yeah? Children and heritage of the Lord. And I think that's a good principle to start thinking about with everything you do. And it's a good way of, of protecting that child. Now, turn to Proverbs chapter 17. Because you might be sitting here going, okay, I'm getting a bit bored of this, brother. And where's the biblical, where's the biblical diet info? Where, all right, I want to know, where's the magic herb? Where's the magic herb in the Bible which will make everything okay and make everyone healthy? There's got to be a magic herb, isn't there? Go on, this is biblical pregnancy stuff. We don't want to know about pop music and stuff like that. You know, that sounds like a bit of, you know, you're getting a little bit strict there. Well, healthy babies need healthy mums, don't they? Look at Proverbs 17 and verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So our job, husbands, again, is try and keep our wives' hearts merry, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? You want a healthy child? You want to have a healthy mum, yeah? A healthy mum, how do we do that? We want to try and keep their hearts merry. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Because it's easy for that pregnancy spirit to get broken, isn't it? Really easy, isn't it? I, I don't know, I can't think why. why. Why some lady, you know, who's suddenly carrying, you know, this, this extra baby and all the extra things that go with being pregnant might possibly now and again have a broken spirit from it. But they do, don't they? Okay, that's life. It can be hard. It's, it's hard work. They, let alone the fact that they know that they've got, you know, what, what isn't always, you know, the most simple thing, giving birth to a child, so I, so I hear. That they've got that to come as well. Look, sometimes that spirit can get broken easily, can't it? So we want to make sure as, as husbands, we're doing our best to keep them, keep them happy, keep them positive, keep them content. And look, we can fail at that a lot, can't we? And that's something that we need to keep in our mind. Remember, children, heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb is his reward, yeah? That mum's carrying a baby there, which is, a, which is an heritage of the Lord's. We want to keep that mum as happy and as, as healthy as possible. 
And by the way, if you're just banging on and drumming on at them about eating exactly what you tell them and everything else, they're probably going to end up with not a very happy heart, right? They're not going to end up with that merry heart. They're going to be more likely to be even more stressed out. And look, on that, you can eat the best diet, okay? You can live the healthiest lifestyle out there. You, but if you're constantly stressed and unhappy, it, it will affect your health and your baby's health. Okay, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Stress is massive. Look, because there are people that get so obsessed with food and diet and the perfect thing, but then they get so stressed about it that they end up more unhealthy than had they just tried to be a little bit more relaxed and, and content in life, right? Okay, and we want to make sure that, our, that those mums in our lives are like that. Now, while we're talking about pregnancy health, if you could show me a list of ingredients of any of the vaccinations offered to pregnant women, that'd be nice, and then explain to me how any of those ingredients would make them or the baby healthier that would be good at all but unless anyone could do that show me the list of all the ingredients of those vaccinations and show the health benefits of them well i would say look mums remember whose baby you're carrying dads remember that as well because look just because someone says it's okay to start injecting with all sorts you don't even know what it is that doesn't mean it's a good idea is it okay and we've obviously covered that at length we'll talk about that again in a minute now with that in mind there's another principle when dealing with the outside world okay and that's from matthew chapter 10 and verse 16 you don't have to turn there it's quite a famous verse which is behold i send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves wise as serpents and harmless as doves yes in an ideal world yeah, every pregnant lady would have a happy nine months long pregnancy, get a bit of help during birth and then be left alone barring emergencies. Yeah, that would be great. But this isn't an ideal world. OK, it's not. And if you ignore all appointments, scans and checks and then you turn up to have your baby, they will mark you down as a nutter. Okay, they will have you down as a nutter and they will have social services onto you quicker than you can say, I'm pregnant. Okay, they don't like that stuff. And, and you could say for maybe good reason as well. For, look, at the end of the day, yeah, we, we put our trust in God, we put our faith in God, but look, labour's a big deal, okay? Don't forget that, labour's a big deal. And just kind of, well, yeah, I'm just not gonna go anywhere near the hostel. Look, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna alarm bells are gonna be raised, red flags are gonna be going off, they're gonna be going, what on earth, we never, never met you before, and then you're gonna have a, more of a problem, you're gonna have more stress for the mum, not only during that labour while they're panicking and wanting to do all sorts and question and everything else, but obviously afterwards as well. So we need to be wise about this sort of thing as well. We're not dealing with, with God's healthcare system, okay? We're dealing with the world's healthcare system, so we need to be wise how we deal with that. Which leads me on to the next phase of parenting. So there's some principles about labour. And, and you'll go, well, what about the, what about the perfect diet, by the way? What about the... No, look, just, just look after Look after your wives, mums, look after yourselves, yeah? And, and guys, just, just, you know, when it comes to pregnancy, and I might be preaching the choir here, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Just, just be healthy, be wise, be sensible, look after our wives, try and keep them stress-free. But let's look at labour, because this is a bit where if it wasn't for those pesky doctors and midwives, you probably wouldn't even notice that you're giving birth, right? Is that what people try and claim? If it wasn't for Western medicine, you'd probably just give birth and not even realise, because that's kind of how some people like to bill it a bit, right? Okay, there is this old cliche. I remember my wife, uh, when she was training as a midwife, she, they, they, used to, they used to say this one. They used to say that in some countries, they basically just give birth in a bush and crack on with their day. 
Now, this is, this is what they used to try and tell them about, not make it too stressful during it, which is very, very odd because then kind of if you've ever been dealing with this sort of like with hospital treatment during pregnancy, it's kind of the complete opposite where they do the utmost to stress you out. But maybe that's if you refuse vaccinations, they kind of go a bit crazy. But regardless, there was this sort of lie. And it is a lie. Look, now, there might be, there might be cultures where women are shamed into not making any noise and things like that, but it's far from simple. Okay, it's far from just a run-of-the-mill thing. That is a load of old nonsense. Childbearing as, uh, and childbirth itself, as amazing as it is, can also be very traumatic, and it does carry an element of risk. Okay, it does. Now, I'm sorry, and look, I know we, you know, we have pregnant women here, and of course we don't want to put you in fear, because, look, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Because, look, in this, in this day and age, it's very unlikely in, in our nation for, for something really serious to happen to the mums themselves. So I don't want you to be worried about this, but we should also have some respect for it as well. In Genesis 3, well, you're turned to Genesis 3. We, we bef uh, aside from Genesis 3, we, we do see midwives used in the Bible, in case anyone's wondering, okay? So in the book of Exodus, obviously at the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that there are a couple of known midwives, maybe they're head midwives or whatever it is, but we see midwives being used. You go, oh, okay, well, that was under Egypt, wasn't it, Brother Ian? Well, they're also mentioned before that. You see them mentioned being involved in the delivery of Tamar's twins, um, fathered by Judah, okay, there's, there's a midwife there. And then even before that, when Rachel gives birth to Benjamin, the last of the 12 tribes of Israel, we also see a midwife mentioned in that as well. And that's actually a very sad story because Rachel ends up sadly passing away as well. Now, like I said, that is quite rare nowadays, so I don't want you to be, be there in fear going, what on earth is this? But childbirth is a big deal and we need to give it respect, okay? Genesis 3.16, just after the fall, God said this, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband, he shall rule over thee. Okay, so why the sorrow, which is sadness or grief? because apparently it can hurt a little. Yeah, believe it or not, they're not just kind of being dramatic. It does apparently hurt. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, 17, that return there gives, gives a comparison to childbirth where it says, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. Okay, what's my point? What's my point? Why am I making a point of this? Is it just to scare the women here? No, it's because dads, we do need to appreciate what our wives go through, don't we? Yeah? Dads, future fathers to be here, in fact, just church members in general, we need to appreciate what the women go through, okay? They go through what is a hard time. They go through something which is bound to probably have some anxiety in the build-up, isn't it? Wouldn't you think? I know if I was probably facing, facing that, now you say, I'd probably get a bit of anxiety about that. I'm going to probably have some times of, you know, of worry and things like that. We need to understand that, don't we, okay? Oh, well, no, it's perfectly natural. Loads of women do it. Yeah, loads of women have a lot of pain, okay? That's the truth of it, isn't it? And sorry again to those of you who have this coming on. Look, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything new here. And that might include as well some pretty intense moments during the birth. Yeah, that, that does happen. It's not all just going to be a sort of, well, just a quick stroll in the park. It can be intense. It can be, there could be times of fear, times of doubt and other things like that. We need to appreciate that. We need to be a support. We need to be a help. We need to be a guide. We want our wives to be as stress-free as possible. We want to appreciate what they do. Turn to 1 Timothy 2. 
because biblical parenting involves both of us, like I said, and we need to help our wives through what is an ordeal, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this from verse 8, 1 Timothy 2, 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Okay, that's basically holy men. If they're lifting up holy hands, it's because they're holy. He will, his will is that men are praying everywhere and they have holy, they're holy people basically. Okay, he wants God's people to be holy, the men to be holy. He said, without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now just a point here, and I've mentioned this before, and you, you kind of feel like you need to keep mentioning this, because people love to go off a verse and then go, right, see, you know, women shouldn't have broided hair, well that must mean they're not allowed to have anything other than like hair straight down. All oh, right, no gold, no, right, no jewellery women or you're wicked, um, and, and nothing that's worth any money. Well, what's worth any money? Well, let's look at, compare it to a third world country, right? Anyone wearing anything which isn't like, you know, charity shop rags, you're wicked. Well, but did it say that? Did it say that they don't adorn themselves? Adorning being what basically is their showing, their outward showing. What should they be adorned by? Well, good works. The point being is that you shouldn't be known by those things, you should be known by your good works, okay? Avoided hair isn't, by the way, just plaits and things like that. Avoided hair is like where they have things sewn into it and everything else, yeah? It's all basically about decorating themselves and not just just decorating themselves with good works, yeah? Okay. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So if anyone wonders, if anyone's ever sat here and goes, why, why do we only ever hear men are menning in church? Because the Bible says that. Because the Bible says let women learn in silence. Okay, it's not because we're just oh, these horrible, whatever they want. What do they even call them nowadays? I don't know. Is it misogynistic? Well, I got the word misogynistic, yeah? It's horrible misogynistic. No, we're just Bible believers, right? And the Bible makes it pretty clear there. Let the women learn in silence is all subjection. Okay, so it's not really a very hard principle. That's just what the Bible says. That's why, you know, women amen in your head, yeah? And nothing wrong with that, okay? And we could go, we'll, we'll go into that another service, okay? But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she, notice this, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, I've always wondered about this verse. I don't know about you. I've always wondered why the she and then the they. Because it, for the last three verses, about four, from, from, in fact, five, from verse 11, it says, let the woman, and it's talking about singular, learn in silence or subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach not to usurp authority over the man. For Adam was first fallen in Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, singular, being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue faith. Now, I don't think it's now just talking about women as a plural here. I don't believe that. I don't see that when you're reading that going, oh, now it's, now it's gone from woman, 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 she, blah, blah, blah. It would just be if she continues in faith and charity, wouldn't it? So who's the they? Who's the they? Well, perhaps the they is referring to the men in verse 8. You ever wondered that? Look at verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. If they continue in faith, well, that's without the doubting. 
That's men praying everywhere. Charity and holiness with sobriety. Well, holiness without the doubting, without the, the wrath. Charity, you could say as well. Sobriety, well, we should be, we should be sober, whether that's sober from sort of mind-altering th things or just being sensible and calm and, and, and you know, and, and whatever, whatever the word would be there in life. Well, what's she being saved from? What's she being saved from? So I believe that Paul is saying that despite being the one deceived, the woman could be protected in childbearing by the men's faith, charity, holiness and sobriety. That's what I believe. Now, you could say it's a combination of the men and the women. Nothing wrong with that either. Look, go for that as well. But I believe that's what it's saying there. I believe that woman can be saved by, because it comes down to the man. And, and obviously this is a given that she should be married. And I know, look, some people have, especially pre-faith as well, have done things that, that they shouldn't and been in situations they shouldn't. Look, we've all, we've all sadly lived a life before, but here we're talking about the ideal here. Here we're talking about how God would want it. And here it says, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Having just said that the men should be lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So maybe we have more of a, more of a kind of a say or more of a, an influence on our women's childbearing based on how we behave. Now, I don't think it's necessarily some, you know, well, if you do this and suddenly everything will go well. Maybe it's because, look, if we're going to be leading our women, we need to be holy. We need to not be doubting. We need to be praying everywhere. We need to be not full of wrath, don't we, men? You're leading your women into something as, as what can be, you know, a high-pressure situation like giving birth, you want to make sure that you're stepping up to the plate. You want to make sure that you're leading them well. You want to make sure that you're on hand to be able to deal with, you know, who knows, who knows what's around the corner, especially, sadly, a lot of the time from, from our medical professionals because they feel like they need to dabble and interfere and everything else when they don't necessarily need to do so. You need to be, make sure you're on hand, men. I believe that's maybe what it's talking about there because, look, whichever way you want to look at it, us men need to protect our wives, our children, and our future unborn children, don't we? Yeah? I think whichever way you want to look at that, even if you think, well, the they's maybe just talking about women, plural. Maybe the they's talking about the husbands and wives. Maybe it's got nothing to do with actual childbirth itself. It's just saying that, you know, they'll be okay, you know, and they'll have lots, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. We still need to protect our children, don't we? We need to protect them, and we need to step up, and to do that, we need to be holy. We need to continue in faith and charity. We need to have holiness, and we need to be sober sober okay we need to be smart we need to be sensible we need to we need to be making the right decisions for our wives and this doesn't stop at the delivery of the child okay because this is often when it when it intensifies so biblical parenting today we've looked briefly at pregnancy and labor so far now let's look at postpartum and if you're wondering what on earth is postpartum brother Ian? well this is basically from straight after childbirth off up to several weeks on okay Turn to Leviticus chapter 12. Because the baby's been born, so that heritage of the Lord is hopefully healthy and well. The camera phone is coming out. The phone calls are about to start. You know, you're starting to, to, to send the messages about the, the name, the, the age, the weight, or whatever it is, you know, how long ago it was born. But, and thankfully with that, there is a truth that Jesus gave in John 16, 21, that even after the trauma of childbirth, we are able to celebrate, aren't we? John 16, 21 says, A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Okay, it's, all, it's a joyful occasion, isn't it? It's a great, it's, an ama it's a miracle. It is a miracle. It's amazing. Okay, what, wow, what an event it is. And after all that, even more amazing. But what's this? 
suddenly there's some psycho nowadays with a mask over their mouth going towards your baby with some huge needle. Some absolute lunatic thinking that it's okay now with this poor little precious newborn heritage of the Lord to just start jabbing some needle into them with who knows what cocktails within it. It's just, it's a risky time, right? Look, that happened. You, oh yeah, but I put down on my notes, I put down on my notes, no vaccination. You think that stops them? You think that's, look, like any excuse. That's the time when they want to row with you. I remember the birth of my first child, when, when little Ella was born, it, it was a bit scary. She was born, what they say, blue. You know, she didn't breathe for a bit. They pressed the buzzer. They got her up onto the, you know, emergency resuscitation table. All these doctors from everywhere all start charging in. It's, oh, what on earth's going on? You know, we're think, I'm thinking, is she, is she alive? You know, we're, we're, it's a scary time, right? She starts crying, great. Literally, within a second, she's been born about 10, 20 seconds previously. Now it's time to have a row with me about the vitamin K jab. I mean, because that's the time to have a row with the father about that. Because I've got to get quick, quick, get it in them. You know, and they're all queuing up. You can imagine there's probably like queues of doctors outside with different sort of injections and needles and instruments of torture. Let us out, let us out. You're foaming at the mouth. And I'm having to row with like these paediatricians and and literally straight after she's born. Look, this is when you, you men, you, you need to step up at this point, right? We need to be ready for that. You need to be ready to deal with that. And obviously, again, you need to deal with that wisely, don't you? If you just kind of sit there going, nah, vaccines are bad, innit? Yeah? <laughs> that doctor usually isn't gonna turn around and go, oh, no, fair enough, you know, they, they've, made, they've made an informed, because they want to make sure you've made an informed decision, okay? At this point, look, they'll leave you alone if they decide you made an informed. Now, this doctor obviously pushed it a bit far, and I thought I had made an informed decision. I, in fact, I spent about nine months reading, researching, talking, just anything I could. It was something that I really thought about at the time and wanted to make sure I was right about, you know, because I didn't know many other people that made that decision. But, look, regardless... You need to make sure that you that you can show just calmly, no, we've looked into this, no, we're confident, no, you're not going to change my mind either. And if you're there, kind of your knees are knocking, you go, well, um, well, I, don't, I think it's bad. Look, look, and you make the decision, it's up to you. I'm not going to stand behind this pulpit and say, you must do this, you must do that. But I, I would say that Psalm 139 and verse 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So I believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and I don't believe that God just forgot about the vitamin K jab at, at birth. He, uh, he just, oh man, if only I kind of made a way of just getting that baby a bit higher in vitamin K. I don't believe that. Does anyone believe that? I don't believe that. Okay, now look, ju just, just, just in case anyone sitting here going, oh, this guy, he just, you know, he must just hate all medicine. Look, there's some great, there's some great medicine out there. There's some great people out there. There's some great experts out there. There's people that know a lot more than I do about a lot of things when it comes to the body, when it comes to health, when it comes to healing, when it comes to fixing people up after a situation, when it comes to babies. But, but I do know what the Word of God says. And I do know that I trust our God and that I trust God that, that when he made us, that we didn't need upgrades from the doctor gods, okay? We didn't need that upgrade at birth, okay? And I, I still believe that. Okay, so the problem with this is that if you refuse, if you refuse, it's not just, right, well, I've dealt with the debates now. 
I've dealt with the cues of psychopaths with different, you know, ways of getting in, getting to my child. I'm going to be all right now because what they do now, and we've had this many times, is they start to make excuses as to why you need to stay overnight. This is if you're in hospital. And if you haven't been in hospital a lot of the time, they'll try and get you along the hospital anyway. So now it's right. How can we? And it, oh, oh well, and they'll lie outright. Oh, could be signs of an infection. Oh, could be something, you're like, okay, what, what are the signs? And you kind of, and it's hard because, look, you've got a little precious baby there, right? And you want to you make sure you make the right decision. You don't want to do anything foolhardy. But on the other hand, you've got to respect the fact that, look, these people panic when you don't get a vitamin K injection, okay? They panic when you don't do exactly what they say to do, okay? And now, I don't know, do they still, is it, I don't think it's, mad, oh, they don't claim it's mandatory. Is it the BCG at birth as well that a lot, lot get? I think it's, um, but anyway, regardless, there are many different, and depending on where you come from as well, it seems a bit of a strange thing, even if you've lived here for a long time, if you're from a different country originally, then they try and push different vaccinations at birth as well. Well, when you refuse that stuff, they start to panic and then they want you overnight and start observing and start coming up with other things. And then a lot of the time your baby start, becomes a pincushion. And a lot of the time, sadly, now they're coming up with all these different reasons why you need to be there and why you need to be on preemptive antibiotics on your baby just in case, because it takes too long to get the results of, of, you know, of, the, of the blood test to see if there are infection markers. So we better get on the antibiotics straight away. Anyone think that's a good idea to put a baby on antibiotics the moment they're born? No, but then you're told, but it will be too late. If there is an infection, it will be too late. So look, you need to be on the ball with that. Look, there's not a one right way or wrong way with that, but you need to be on the ball to be able to discuss this, to be able to talk about this. Look, it's an important thing. You're going into a, to a place, and look, there are some well-meaning people there, okay? And look, and, and, and there have been many babies that have, that have their lives saved. Like I said, there are many mums that, that aren't, aren't, you know, thankfully dying in childbirth because the rates used to be a lot higher. And thanks to, thanks to, to you know, a lot of medical professionals, okay? who know a lot more than I do about many things. But when it comes to injecting our babies with things for no reason, I'm against that, okay? No, I don't have to have a, a letters after my name to say that. You just have to read the Bible, okay? It's pretty clear, isn't it? So, like I said, you've got to be on, your, on the ball for that. And that, that's dads, dads especially at this point, but mums as well, because here's another thing. You dads are in there going, right, we don't want this, we don't want that, no, we don't want this, we don't want that, and the mum's just sitting there going, whatever he says, whatever he says. Now, now, guess what dad's being looked at as? An abuser. Yeah, he's one of those abusive husbands, that poor wife. We need to get dad out of there. Okay, let's find a way of getting dad out and then we can talk to mum on her own. And she's just gone through a trauma, hasn't she? She's just gone through a high-stress moment. Now they want to try and get her on her own and get her to agree and they start to try and scare her. Sadly, this is what happens, okay? So again, mums, you need to be on board as well. It's like, oh, right, dad does the research. He'll just tell me I'm going to try. Yeah, look. Ultimately, yeah, you, you should submit to what your, what your husband says there. But it should be something that you're both understand and agreed on and, and, and are able to, to, to give the same reasons as a husband. Otherwise, you're just going to open a can of worms. A can of worms which can take many years to shut, yeah? Okay, so maybe you've had a home birth or you make it out of the hospital. Okay, now it's time to get the family members around, isn't it? Okay, I made it out of there in one piece. The baby got out of there. We fended them off, you know. It was like a kung fu movie. I mean, kicking vaccines out of people's hands. Then we got, we got down there. We broke out, okay? So as it can feel like that, okay? You broke out of there. You got home. 
Now, get a move round, it's party time, isn't it? Yeah, family comes round, friends, you know, next door neighbour, bring the dogs, bring the cats, you know, just, just everyone round, let's just all have a big old party at home. Well, let's have a look at Leviticus chapter 12. So you turn to Leviticus chapter 12. Now, before we look at it, let's just make it clear, we're not under any obligation to follow this, okay? You don't have to follow this. And there are some reasons why some people might think for their own maybe mental health, for their own sanity. Maybe they, 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 won't, they don't feel that they should do that. Okay? And obviously, families are smaller nowadays. Maybe for some, it, they, can't, they can't imagine doing this. And look, you've got to make that call between you, between you with that. But I believe that Leviticus chapter 12 gives us some great principles. Okay? And obviously, the sermon series is biblical parenting. So let's see some biblical principles from Leviticus chapter 12 when it comes to postpartum recovery. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Leviticus 12 and verse 1, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days according to the days of the separation of her infirmity, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying. Three and thirty days she shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. So what's this all about? Okay, this woman's just had a little boy, clearly here. Unclean means that she's basically quarantined from the outside world, okay? She's basically to stay within our home here, okay? After a week of that, and let's forget the circumcision bit because clearly that doesn't stand anymore, okay? After a week of that, she's then to stay away from the sanctuary. Now, here it's referring, I believe, to the tabernacle of the congregation. The sanctuary is used to refer to a few different things in the Bible, but here, ultimately, it's talking about going to the congregation, going to what eventually was a temple at this point. It's not because it's a tabernacle, okay? For another 33 days... Okay, so you can see there's a bit of time here. So we've got seven days basically quarantined. Then you've got 33 days where she's not basically to go to, to like a, a gathering place of people and everything else, right? Why? Why? Oh, is this that mean old God again, just being mean to women? Well, she's just had a baby, yeah? She needs rest. She needs recovery. The baby could do without a ton of germs and bacteria as well, yeah? Because look, when, when, when a baby's just been born, some newborn, I don't believe that's a good time to just start having all sorts coming around and holding the baby. As lovely as it looks on, on social media with all the different photos, and as, you know, and as pleased as they might feel about it, look, God didn't just do this for a laugh, yeah? He said seven days, so the first seven days, and that's also a good time to be bonding with your child, isn't it? That's a good time to be at home, to not be having to do things, to not be out and about, and oh, I better go and get the shopping in and do this and that. And then those 33 days afterwards are a good period of time to, to not be around groups, for many reasons, for the social aspects of that, for the fact that, that emotionally, after baby, it's, it's a hard time for many women to recover from, the, from all those different hormones, from as we know what they call oh, post-age depression. Look, it's just after having a baby, okay? There are very few women that don't get some, some degree of that, okay? It's just normal. Uh, now, 
and, and one of the reasons I wanted to preach this sermon as well is because we had some real clown behaviour in our church, okay? We had some wicked behaviour in our church, really, because it was wicked. It was very clever how it was done. Where we had someone who, who oh, they just bounced back really quickly. Isn't it amazing? What a great Christian person who turns up at church literally a couple of days after having a baby and starts getting the hoover out. Okay, that is moronic. It's, it's so dangerous as well. Okay, dangerous for her. For, for, look, I don't, you don't have to be a doctor to understand the risks that come with that, right? And it wasn't because they were just so strong and just such an example to all the other women. It's because they were trying to push it on other women. It's because they were trying to make other women feel rubbish. Trying to make other women feel like they were somehow not as, not as strong and not as much of a godly woman because they didn't want to be at church straight after having a baby. That's normal, okay? It's normal to need to recover. It's normal to take time out, okay? And coming to church and trying to basically put it on a, and publicly do the hoovering, it's, like, it's just ridiculous, okay? It's absolutely ridiculous. And who, I mean, who knows? God only knows really what she really felt like inside and when she went home after that. Because look, look, no one is, look, there's no superwoman who's just like, yeah, well, they're just so much, so much stronger than everyone else. They could just push hoovers and turn up at church with, with tanks. It's, it's ridiculous, okay? And, and I really don't want women to, at this church to feel influenced by that and feel like they have to somehow be back at church straight. No, no, you've just been through a trauma. You've been through an ordeal. Take your time, yeah? And husbands, we have to be sympathetic to that. All of us husbands here, and, and the whole church, because it, it's not just, it's not just the, the husband's responsibility with that. Because what will then happen is you'll get, mum comes back after having a baby, so when are you going out soul winning? Are you going out soul winning soon? When are you going out soul winning? It's like, she's just had a baby. Like that, look, walking, pounding the streets, it's not easy at the best of times. Like, oh, you, you'll also get it with pregnant women as well. And people are like, oh, not going, not going out. So, you know, it's like, look, just, just have some, we all need to have consideration for what a woman goes through, right? Okay, and postpartum, God expects them to be out, away from the congregation for basically 40 days. That's a long time, isn't it? <gasps> 40 days out, what sort of wicked, wouldn't she, wouldn't she want to be in the congregation? Wouldn't she want to be around in the church family? Three days after having a baby, no, no, she probably wouldn't. Yeah, maybe. Look, maybe she's going to have something. Yeah, I would like to see my brothers and sisters stuff. They can go and visit. Yeah, they can come if they, if they, you know, if they care enough, they'll probably pop round and see after the first week, maybe, right? And hopefully not if they're ill and sick and got illnesses and everything else. But there, there, there was this sort of put this, and it wasn't even that subtle. But it's trying to basically make women feel small, make them feel like they somehow weren't as womanly or whatever. Look, look, after pregnancy, after, after labour, it's perfectly normal to need to recover. Now, okay, these are great principles. Look at verse 5. But if she bear a maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks. Okay, that's two weeks of basically quarantining, staying at home. And obviously that's all I've found. You're not shut up in the room where they kind of put food through a gap in the door or something else, turn it into like a prison door and you can like feed them food through it. No, but this is obviously just being away from other people, right? Unclean two weeks, as in her separation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying three score and six days. Okay, so that's a further 66 days. 
Oh, again, it's got, he's got a problem with women, isn't it? It's because she's had a little girl. She doesn't deserve to be around. No, it's not. Why longer? Because it takes longer for the hormones to settle. Because you speak to, to women who have had little boys and little girls, and they'll tell you that having a girl just takes longer to recover. It takes longer for the hormones to settle. It takes longer for them to get back. It takes longer for it all to just, just even out again. Okay, because that's a big part of it as well. It's not just, and, and it takes longer to physically recover as well. It's not just the physical recovery. Okay, it's also just the mental recovery as well. And we have to be sympathetic. The whole church needs to be sympathetic to that, yeah? Now, some people, with that in mind, some people would go stir crazy at home. This isn't a rule that we have in our church, just to make this clear. Okay, there are some people who would be like, oh, I couldn't spend that long away from church. I want to be at church. That's my social, you know, my social setting. That's why I'm going to, I need to be around other mums. Look, if they, if they need to do that, then again, that's fine as well. Yeah, you make that call. You make that decision, husbands and wives, yeah, between you, you know, try and do what's sensible because obviously mental health is important as well. Some people might be like, I actually need a bit longer out. And if they need longer out, so be it. Yeah. Okay, and obviously you need to gauge that right. If it starts to get to the point where clearly they just don't want to be in church, that's a problem. But look, there's some good principles here. There's a long time until you start getting to that point when you just had a baby, right? Okay, and they're clear biblical principles, aren't they? However many women want to, you know, turn up the next day with the baby and, you know, show how strong they are to try and belittle other women that don't. It doesn't matter, okay? What does the Bible say? Now, <clears throat> with that in mind, when you do, if you did decide, okay, yeah, I, I, I want to come back to church. Maybe, you, maybe you've had that time, maybe you haven't. Maybe, look, you decide, no, that's not for me. I'm all right. Actually, I feel good. I feel recovered. I feel emotionally better as well. I feel like I, look, that doesn't happen. There's no rule, like I said. Maybe you've come back to church now and you're like, okay, I'm back at church. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Please don't start rearranging furniture hoovering and doing other things to show that you're, you know, look how strong you are compared with so-and-so, okay? And that's why when we do the cleaning, rotors and stuff here, you know, my wife just just made a rule, obviously, with, with my say-so, of just, look, women have had babies fairly recently, we just kept them off it, okay? And, and even like some, because we also had women that wanted to make a point of doing things, you know? So for their own safety, but just look, just have some time out, right, okay? Because look, there's no, no medals for any of that. But when you feel ready, when you feel like, no, look, I'm doing all right. Now, with that, now, now think about this as well, fathers. Think about this, kids as well, kids especially here. Because look, for some men, for some dads, look, it's like, oh, right, fine, yeah, yeah, my wife's recovering, right? Now I'm just going to add, you know, all the chores that she did and all the anything that was slightly manual or physical, I'll just add it to my day. That, for a lot of men, that isn't actually physically possible. Okay, there's not enough time in a day. Okay, kids, you need to step up. Okay, again, it's a serious thing. Having a baby's a big deal. It's a big, it's a massive life event and the whole family needs to step up, don't they? Sometimes friends need to step up as well. Sometimes there are those that, look, maybe they don't, look, maybe they've just had the first baby or maybe they've had the second baby. Maybe there aren't the older kids that can help. Maybe they're all, maybe they've just had three babies all at the same time, right? Or something like that. And, and look, there aren't, right, well, you know, now we've got older kids. We've got, and sometimes, look, friends at church need to be able to say, look, do you want us to come around and help and do this or help and do that? And obviously after that time that they're ready to have people, they might say no, they might not want to see anyone for a while. Maybe they do, yeah? We need to all be aware of that, aware of being able to help. But husbands, we need to, we need to be trying, look, within reason, yeah, obviously, if your wife is adamant, no, I don't want this, I don't want that, we don't have to then really upset them and stress them out as well. But we need to be taking lead with that, don't we? Taking lead with protecting our wives postpartum as well. 
It's not just when that baby's in their womb. Okay, and, and look, that responsibility to get our wives to have the right balance is especially important if you want to have more children. Okay, because look, we're talking about affecting their health in the future as well here, right? Okay, it's especially important. Look at verse 3 back in Psalm 127. You go back to Psalm 127 <clears throat> and verse 3, which says, <clears throat> Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They're like arrows in the hand of some warrior. Children of the youth. Multiple children make us happy men, don't they? Yeah, I don't think there's many dads with multiple children. Go, oh, I, just, I just wish I'd had a few less, you know. If only I didn't have that one. <laughs> Come on, maybe some do. We don't want to get right that, right? And, and a team of children, I've always thought about this as it was being the men. But I think a team of children gives those children confidence. I think that's what it's talking about here. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak to the enemies in the gate. Having talked about the man, happy is the man that have his quiller full of him. They shall not be ashamed, but maybe the they, maybe the they here is talking about the children, right? Because the more children there are, the more in a family, it becomes a bit of a team and a bit of a squad, probably ups their confidence and everything else as well. But that's not going to happen if you're forcing your wives out soul winning a week after having a baby, is it? You think that they're going to be able to bear you lots of children? If your wives are, oh, you're so unspiritual, I can't believe you're not soul winning. You, you know, it's, it's, a week, it's already been a week. Well, well, get up and get on with it. Look, look, we don't have to do that, do we, guys? Yeah? And again, as a church, we want lots of children here, right? Yeah? We want to, be, we want to make sure we're not doing the same, not trying to put undue pressure on on mums here that that you know you better get out so when are you going so you've been soul winning yet since you had your look and i don't think anyone here would do that but that sort of stuff went on before uh um uh you go soul winning where you go so you know to to mums who literally just come back to church you know a few weeks after having babies even a couple of months after whatever okay let them get their feet let them find their feet get their rhythm let them get back and you want them to want to go out and preach the gospel and they need to be ready and feel feel emotionally and physically able to do that right okay and men we have obviously a responsibility that we want to protect them from that as well and ultimately it's dangerous it's dangerous anyway dangerous for the mums and dangerous obviously for future children as well and and look if you want your wives to show off their alleged recovery skills postpartum after three days, well, that's up to you. If you want to start boasting about that and how strong you, you know, they are and everything else, that is your decision. You can do that. But personally, I would just say it's foolhardy. Now, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Okay, because like I said, we want to, as a church, we want to encourage us as well. We don't want to be asking their husbands, for example, every week, when are they back, when are they back, when are they back, yeah? Because, look, we're, we're all easily influenced, aren't we? People, look, people get influenced, yeah? They'll start, oh, well, sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so keeps asking me, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back soon? You know, it's like, look, she just needs time sometimes, okay? Postpartum, they, they, a lot of the time, they just need time. Now, with that time, it doesn't mean they have to be less spiritual. Obviously, they need to be reading their Bibles, yeah? And as spiritual leaders, we want to be encouraging that. They should be praying. You should be also teaching your wives as well. You should be also doing some sort of Bible study and everything else at home, 
Yeah, all of that still needs to be happening, but you don't need to be forcing them back into the congregation, right? Okay, so you turn to Isaiah chapter 40, yeah? Look at verses, um, verses 10 to 11. Isaiah 40 and verse 10 says, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work for him. So he's talking about the Lord here. We want to all be more like the Lord, don't we? We want to be more Christ-like. And here, look, he's strong. Yeah, he comes with a strong hand. And God is strong, isn't he? His, his, and his arm shall rule for him. Yeah, this is talking about the Lord coming to rule with a strong arm and everything else here. But then look at verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Yeah? He's going to gather the lambs with his arm. He shall carry them in his bosom and shall... Wait a second. What sort, of a, what sort of a pushover is this? What sort of a softy? No, he's strong, isn't he? Verse 10 just said, said the Lord will come with strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. But... but Part of being a strong leader, dads, fathers, dads to be here, part of that is, is gathering the lambs with our arms, carrying them in our bosoms, and gently leading those that are with young. A great, great little part of the verse, is it? To gently lead those that are with young. And that's something that, that we have to constantly remember, don't we? Because we as men, look, some of us, yeah, we can pound the streets on a soul-winning marathon. We don't even feel it. Maybe especially some of you younger guys, yeah? You might be able to, to go soul-winning multiple times a week, turn up to different soul-winning times, to just, you know, church, church three to thrive every week of the year, everything else. But sometimes, look, those with young, they need a bit more gentle leading, don't they? Yeah, sometimes they need a bit, bit of... They, they need a gentle hand, yeah? And look, we all get that wrong. I've got that wrong many times, I'm sure. Many guys here have got that wrong many times as well, okay? But it's something that we need to remind ourselves to do because it's easy to just think that they can just keep up with us, that they can keep up with exactly how we do it. But we're not spending nine months of however many years with children inside us, yeah? We're not having to go through all of that, all the hormone changes. We're not having to do half of that and we need to remember that sometimes yeah that's the lord jesus christ that's someone who we're all aspiring to be like right be more christ-like that's what that's what everyone else tells us we should be more christ-like but this is what the real christ-like is yeah that's gently leading those with young okay so that's the first and, and look it's not just that the men here obviously the women have responsibilities with that too don't they and and women here look you, you need to obviously be be wise be careful you want to bear more children be sensible with it as well and it's not they're not just the only reasons for and not for that but obviously you also just want to be want to be you know the best mums you can be as well and that that's by being healthy and well and everything else be sensible please don't be like like we have had before the types of women that start trying to compete and and get competitive and it's all about how I appear compared with this one and so I could be the best whatever at church and that's a really manly trait hopefully we don't we'll never have women like that here again and if we do hopefully we'll be able to guide them out of that encourage them out of that but uh, and look that, because ultimately that's not biblical parenting is it is it and this this sermon is about biblical parenting and hopefully uh hopefully that's been edifying hopefully that's helped a bit um and we'll be looking at the next stage next week on that let's go to the lord in the word of prayer father thank you um thank you for for the mums here lord thank you for 
for you know the mums mums eventually that that will be here as well and lord uh, help us all here to be sympathetic to those help us to be you know to be a support to be a help to them not just in pregnancy and and obviously in labor as well but 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 also postpartum as well and to to appreciate you know how long it can take to recover from from something like childbirth lord help us to all be considerate compassionate with the, with the mums here and help us all to just be a strong church family help um, help us all to do things according to to how you'd want them done not according to the world we'll get so much wrong lord um, help us to do all these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.